0: Oh, good morning, everyone. My name is Michael. I'm uh, one of the pastors in this church. I'm going to pray for us before we open God's Word together. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for come here together to um, yeah, to fellowship with one another, and we just come before you now as we open your Word together. Help us to hear what you have to say to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. One of my hobbies is planes. I love planes. Um, I'm obsessed with it, some may say. Last year I went to New Zealand uh, for two weeks. I had to spend a week in Auckland, and I planned my trip around the plane. Um, so I flew into Auckland first. I flew at a an airline called Land Chile, um, not something you fly every day from Australia. I fly on the 787. And then I had to finish my trip. One of my dreams to fly on Emirates A380. And I can only fly on them from either Auckland, Sydney, or Christchurch Sydney and because I did Auckland already so I finished my trip in Christchurch and I was able to fly the A380 for the first time and I also got a copy shot at the end of the fly Uh, it was really lovely plane I'm a huge plane geek I love planes some people think I'm crazy Uh, my family thinks I'm crazy doing this Um, but I have a friend, his name is Matt. Matt works for Qantas, and so he gets lots of cheap flights. And he often flies to different places in Australia for the weekend. He would fly to Sydney, Melbourne, Melbourne, Brisbane, Brisbane to Cairns, Cairns to Perth, and then back to Sydney just for the weekend. Um, He does it very often. But Matt's friend Mitchell is even crazier. Mitchell loves flying. And one time, he flew from Sydney to Dallas, and back. He spent one night in a hotel in Dallas and he flew back. The flight is about 16 to 17 hours flight. It was the longest flight in the world at the time. Um, so, yeah, there's so some crazy people out there. And people like us, uh, we're on fire for playing. We love our playing and we're really passionate about them. But, it got me thinking are we like that for Jesus? Are we on fire for Him? Just I want to talk to you guys about today. Are we on fire for Jesus? Are we passionate about Him? Uh, we all have our hobbies. Uh, hobbies. We have different hobbies, maybe sport, maybe cars. For me, it's playing. And the thing is, are we as passionate about Jesus as we are for our hobby? Jesus is the message for, di- for three different churches in Revelation. Three very different churches. Although they need, but you can see on the map, I'll circle them out. Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. They're all nearby, but as you will see, there are three very different churches. The Book of Revelation written to the churches in Asia Minor, which is Turkey today originally. But the message will be still very relevant for us today here at New Life Anakin Church in Oran Park in Sydney. Let's take a first look at the church in Sardis. Now, Sardis is situated on the junction to five major towns nearby. The city was built on a high point on a mountain's ridge, so very high up, and it gave it control over the whole surrounding region. So the city was a very strategic location. It's a very important location. The city, along with Philadelphia, were prone to earthquake, and both cities were destroyed in AD 17. But with Sardis, it was rebuilt under a generous benefaction of the emperor, so the city was quite wealthy. It's a very wealthy city. Let's look at verse two and see what Jesus said about the church in Sardis with me on Revelation three. It would be good to have that open in front of you too for Revelation three, uh, verse two. Jesus said, "I know you did. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead." Now when Jesus said, "I know you're dead," it's like I know what you've done. A bit like uh, a parent who's speaking to a child who's in trouble. It's like, I know what you've done, because the church had a reputation. To the outsider, the church would be very vibrant and alive. It's a church that got lots of happening and is alive. It's like a church today. Uh, it could be like a megachurch, uh, a church written in a fancy building, much bigger than this, uh, probably in an auditorium. Uh, it's a big church with lots of people, lots of staff, lots of activities, so it's a church with lots of happenings. It's a church that is flourishing, active, and very successful to everybody that is except for Jesus. Jesus looked at the church, but he said the church is dying. Outwardly, they may be vibrant, but inwardly on spiritually, they're dying. You see, God doesn't look at just the outward appearance. God look at our hearts. God look at our hearts. 1 Samuel 16 says, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Look at verse 3. Let's see what the problem is. Remember, therefore, that you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. Now, what have they forgotten? They've forgotten Jesus. They've forgotten the gospel, the very gospel that saved them, that they believed at first, and the reason... Why they started meeting as a church. But sadly, they have forgotten the gospel and they have let it go. They have let it go and now they are spiritually dead. And so Jesus urges them to repent, to turn back to him. Instead of walking with Jesus, they walk away from him. But Jesus said, repent and turn back to me. Jesus said, they have soiled their clothes in verse 4. They have been compromised by the world, becoming just like the rest of the world. They have let their morale and set fall to the point where they were just like the rest of the world. They were morally corrupted, and they were living in sin. But the good news is, it wasn't too late for them. Jesus has one command for them, and he urges them to wake up in verse 2. What it means is, literally means the jumble of bed. Many of us, uh, when our alarm goes off in the morning... Uh, we tend to press this news button a few times, especially our kids, if you have teenage kids. We might check our phone when we woke up. First thing you got our phone, we unlock it and we look at our phone, check it out on emails, on Facebook, on the news, etc. to catch up on the day. We may even procrastinate about our day to think about what we're going to do that day, but we often won't get up straight away, especially in winter when it's very cold outside and warm in our bed. Now, Jesus here is not telling us um, to wake up means to press this snooze button a few times and take your time. He's not saying that. Literally means to jump out of bed. About 10 years ago, I was teaching scripture at Janani East Public School for my old church. That particular morning, I forgot to, sm- to set my alarm, and when I woke up, the class was going to start in half an hour. Um, no, the class start in 20 minutes, but there was a half an hour drive to the school. Um, I remember that day, when I looked at the time, I literally jumped of bed, I quickly got dressed, brushed my teeth and got dressed, I got to my car and started driving. And I actually got to the school only five minutes late in the end. Um, traffic was good that day, thankfully. But you can, you, can tell, you can tell it was the urgency of the matter. I didn't have time to muck around to think about what we would going to do that day, to think about uh, where I'm going to shop afterwards, what to have for lunch, the only thought I was to get to the classroom on time. So my need was very urgent. I to very urgent, and my response had to be immediate. I didn't have time to muck around. I have to do it straight away. Jesus is urging them to do the same thing here, wake up and repent, because it has eternal consequences. Jesus reminds them why they should turn back to him in verse five. "Those who is victorious." He will never blow out the name of that person from the book of life. Now victorious, what it means is Jesus um, and his believers, they share his victory on the last day if they faithfully bear witness to him. On Judgment Day, there are two books in Revelation 20. Um, there's two books on Judgment Day. One book is used to judge the dead or people who don't believe in Jesus. It will cause everything they have done. Um, and the other book, the book of life, we call the name of those who trust in Jesus and follow him. So one book got everything they've done in their life. The other book, just the name. The name of those who put their trust in Jesus and follow him. Because they are saved by grace through faith. None of their actions will be judged against them. So Jesus is saying that those who have turned away from him, wake up. So maybe you'll be attending our church for a while, But you haven't really been following Jesus, living His way. Spiritually, you are dead, but outwardly, you might be alive. But God only looks at our heart. God looks at our heart. So it's not too late for you. Now is as good a time as any to recommit your life to Jesus. Wake up and repent and say yes to Jesus. Let's look at our next church. Let's look at the church in Philadelphia. Um, Now, the city of Philadelphia was situated not far from Sardis, so it's about 50 uh, 50 kilometres to the southeast. Um, It's situated on a very fertile land at the junction of major trade routes. So, again, another town in a very strategic position. But the city is poor. Unlike Sardis, Philadelphia is very poor. It was like Sardis prone to earthquake. It was also destroyed in AD 17 by the same earthquake, the inhabitants, though, they were left to themselves to rebuild. They have no assistance from Rome. That's the first problem of the city. Second problem, living under the Romans, the Christians there, like the rest of the city, they were required by law to worship the emperor. But the Christians there, they stood firm because they also know that the, Ten Commandments, the first commandment said, you shall have no other god before me and then do not worship any idol. So the Christians there, they held firm to their faith, and they refused to bow down. So that's their second problem. Their third problem, the city had a big Jewish population. The Jews reported the Christians to the Roman government of their long compliance. And so the church was under constant persecution. So you can see there are three problems that a Philadelphia Christian have to face with. So the church there, they held firm. They were on fire for Jesus. But Jesus also knew that they would get really tired after a while. They were exhausted. Look at verse 8 with me. I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Jesus knew they were exhausted. They lacked the power to fight back, but they held firm, but they didn't give to persecution and turned their back on Christ. Jesus reminds them, why it is worth it. In verse 7, he says, he is the key. He is not just one of the keys, but he is the key. Verse 7, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. And what he shuts, no one can open. The door that only Jesus can open is heaven, is God's kingdom. Under intense persecution from both the Jews, their neighbor, and the Romans, their government, as well as poverty, it's not hard to see why these Philadelphian Christians would get very weary and exhausted to remain firm in their faith. But Jesus reminds them the reason they should, because their rewards in the end, will be worth it, will be great. He's saying to them, he is worth persevering, because he alone holds the key to heaven. He alone can save them, no one else. I was born in Hong Kong, um, and in year 2000, I moved to Australia with my family. I was 14 and a half at the time, and I started year eight in term three at the Jinali High in the Shire. The biggest challenge I had was English. Um, I learned a bit English in Hong Kong. We have to learn English in, since kindergarten, um, but... Yeah, um, so yeah, it, I, my, write, my writing and reading was fine, but it's a bit like learning French and German here. Uh, you, can't, you don't really have the chance to use the language. Um, so for me, the biggest challenge was speaking and hearing, as to communicating with other students. Um, I didn't have a lot of opportunity to use English in Hong Kong. Uh, we spent an hour a day at school to learn English at the most. Um, even the teacher who taught us, their English wasn't very well either, so a bit like the blind in the blind. And so spending seven hours uh, surrounded by kids and teachers who spoke only English was very, very challenging and daunting. I remember after the first day of school, uh, I was living in at the time in a unit, so my mum was out picking up my sister to also started the kindergarten. I remember before she got back, I started crying. It was really scary. But I also knew there was only one option for me, I knew that giving up wasn't an option. So I knew there's only one thing I can do, I had to do, is to persevere. Um, Thankfully, both the students and the teachers were very very kind to me at Genali, and they were very helpful. I remember one time during a science lesson, the teacher was going to dictate our notes to us, um, but after she said that she looked at me and then she quickly said, you know what guys, I'll write on the board and you guys can just copy it down. I knew she did it just for me. I was really thankful for that. And other students also helped me a lot, too. Um, I made friends really quickly, um, and I think within a few weeks, my English improved very quickly, and by the end of the year, um, I could communicate with students and teachers without too much issue. Um, yeah, so kids are really good. But Jesus wanted us to show the same perseverance here when our Christian walks get tough. The students and the teachers helped me. I wasn't alone. In the same way, when our life gets tough, Jesus is there to help us. Now, our Christian life will get tough. Our family, our work, our kids, our friends, those are the things that will challenge our Christian walk. Those are the things that will challenge us to give up on Jesus. But the thing is, we are not alone. Jesus had promised He would be there for us to help us. Verse 10 I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come to the whole world and test the inhabitants of the earth. There will be a tough time. And maybe right now, you're going through a very tough patch of your life right now. But Jesus promised he will protect us. He will protect his people. So hold on, verse 11. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one can take your crown. Jesus is one command for the Philadelphian church and for us today to hold on, don't let it go. Jesus will make his followers a key part of his kingdom. Just as a pillar is a key part of his structure in verse 12. I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, never again will they live Be like the Philadelphian church. They were on fire for Jesus. They were under persecution, under pressure from life yet they didn't give up. They were passionate about their faith. So we all have different gifts, have different abilities, experience, and maturity. How can we use our God-given talent to serve Him? Our church, our vision is to call on us to live a new life with Jesus. We are challenged to be a faithful, adventurous, compassionate, and enduring apprentice for Jesus. And here is Jesus' challenge for us too. How can we build one another up? How can we encourage our brothers and sisters who may be struggling? How can we welcome those who are new to our church, and how can we live for the message of new life? Use what you have for Jesus. So, if your faith is alive, hold on. Alright, let's go to our next church in Laodicea. Now, we have seen a church uh, where they were sleeping their faith, and one that is alive. Laodicea is right in between. Now, Laodicea is a commercial city. It's a very wealthy city. Um, It was known for its banking, its wool, and medicine industry. A little bit like Sydney today. Uh, It's a very aspirational city. People work hard. uh, They're very aspirational. They want what is best for the kids, like Sydney today. The Christian there, they thought they had everything they needed. In today's term, they have money, they have property, probably a few investment properties in today's term. Have good education for them and for their kids. Have good retirement fund. They're the latest technology, um, good cars, um, overseas holiday, etc. But let's see what Jesus says about them in verses fifteen to sixteen. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. The Christians there, they were apathetic. They were indifferent. They were lukewarm. Now, who likes their food or drink lukewarm? Um, Imagine you have lukewarm coffee, lukewarm Coke, um, lukewarm pizza or steak, beer, um, chips, etc. Who would like that? Jesus said that their lukewarm faith, if they found their lukewarm faith so disgusting, so disgusting, they want to spit them out. Now, we spit because there's something really disgusting in our mouth, and we just have to expel it immediately. Spitting is not a socially acceptable behavior. I remember walking along Kulana Beach a few years ago, and a fly got into my mouth. (laughs) And I could feel the fly flying in my mouth, vibrating in my mouth. It was so gross, (laughs) so gross. I spit it all straight away. I couldn't care less what people around me thought about me. I couldn't care less. It just had to go, like, get out of my mouth. It was just so disgusting. This is how Jesus felt towards the Laodicean Christians. He said he wished there were cold, people that didn't, like, to wish there were cold, that their faith, that didn't believe in him, or were hot. They were passionate about him. But they were indifferent. Let's look at why in verse 17. You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. See, the Christian there thought, because they were so wealthy, they had everything they needed. They had forgotten all about Jesus. They were like nominal Christians. They come to church every Sunday. They meet together. Yet their faith wasn't with Jesus. They didn't have Jesus at all. And it's no wonder why Jesus wanted to spit them out. And this is a very sad image in verse 20. Jesus said, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and live with that person and they with me. In their quest to find earthly treasure, they have locked Jesus out. Imagine Jesus coming to our church today, finding our door locked, and had to lock outside the door many, many times, trying to get our attention. Meanwhile, we're so focused on our earthly treasure, Jesus had to humbly lock on the door, hoping someone would listen, open in and let him into the life. That's a very sad picture of where the Laodicean church got up to. Maybe you're someone who's been coming to church and life good for a long time, but you've become indifferent to Jesus and what the cross means to you. Jesus has a message for you, as he had for the church in Laodicea. In verse 18, I counseled you to buy for me gold refined in fire so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and self to put on your eyes so you can see. Like Lewis in Church, you have become lukewarm in your faith, turn back to Jesus. Let Him reignite your faith. The three things Jesus mentioned here gold, um, white clothes, and salve, He's referring to the economy, the banking, fine wool, and medicine industry, their earthly treasure. He's saying that real treasure, the only treasure that will last forever, can only be found in Him. Nothing else. Now, I'm preaching this sermon to myself, too. There are times when I feel like I'm totally on fire for Jesus. Yet Satan is always at work, trying to put that fire off me with pressure from family, work, friends, and other things. Maybe it's the same for you, too. Maybe for you it's family, work, health, kids, education, etc., And I found that when I feel like I'm slipping away, I need to get back to God. First thing I do, I need to pray. Say a quick prayer. Ask God to protect me and to uphold me and keep me strong. God promised He will help us in this spiritual battle. Satan will always pounce on our weakness and destroy us. But God said He will be with His people always. I also found it very helpful to go back to God's word to regularly soak up on God's Word to help us, to equip us in this battle. Our church has a daily Bible reading plan. One chapter a day is a good start. If you haven't got this plan already, write it down your your Connect card, and we'll make sure you get a copy by the end of the week. That is a good start. We have seen there are three different responses a Christian can make to Jesus. If you're asleep in your faith, wake up, it's not too late. If you're alive, hold on and let that fire continue to burn and help one another. But if you're apathetic, seek God. Go back to Him and seek Him and ask Him to help you. And I think we can be all three at different times. It's certainly true for me. We are called to be faithful, adventurous, compassionate, and enduring apprentice for Jesus, to be daring in the Spirit and running to win the prize. There are a lot of obstacles in this race, but the reward is worth it. If we cling on to Jesus, we will be victorious on the last day, spending eternal life with Him in heaven, and nothing can take that away from us. Jesus promised to protect us from Satan. He promises that those who trust and follow Him, they will inherit eternal life with Him in heaven forever. He wants us to be on fire for Him in our life. And then we do this in attending a live group, if you're not attending one already. We can encourage one another by meeting with other Christians, by doing life together. We can encourage one another and lift one another up. Remember, we will be on fire for Jesus and be passionate about Him to continue to grow in Him. Let me pray. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we thank You, You a loving God, that You have promised that you'll be with us always. And we just come before you, pray that when you're facing spiritual battle in our life, you will protect us, you uphold us. And for those who are uh, feeling not on fire on you today, we pray that you'll be with them, you'll uphold them, and we pray that you'll help them to reconnect with you and be on fire for you again. In your son's name we pray, amen.